Have you ever felt like no one was listening to you? Uh, maybe you were kind of like Charlie Brown's teacher. You know, the wah, 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 is how you kind of felt as you were talking to people. Maybe when you're at work, it seems like everyone ignores your ideas, or when you're maybe even talking with your spouse, they seem like they're preoccupied. Maybe in your talking to your kids, it's just going in one ear and out the other. You sort of feel like no one's paying attention, no one's listening when you're speaking. You know that Sometimes even really important people feel the same way. I, there's a story I was reading recently about uh, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and he evidently, in the past, this was common. We obviously don't do this today with our presidents, but they would have these receiving lines, and people would come and, and greet the president, and, and uh, you know they, they were just kind of quick by, quick by over and over, and they would get in a few words, hey, you're, we love you, you're doing a great job and stuff. And, and it, it sort of became tedious because he felt like no one was listening to him as he was talking to all of them as they were coming by. And so one day he decided to do a little experiment. And when they came by, he would sort of say to them, I murdered my grandmother this morning. And so they would come by, and he would say, you know, I murdered my grandmother this morning. You're doing a great job. Keep up the good work. You know, we love you. We're proud of you. And they just keep going. And over and over and over, he kept saying, you know, I murdered my grandmother this morning. That's great. You know, we love you. And they just kept passing by. Got to near the end of the line, and one of the diplomats was there from Bolivia, and he was the first person that actually listened, evidently, to what the president said. I murdered my grandmother this morning. He leaned in and he said, I'm sure she had it coming, you know, so. Now, I doubt that this story is actually true, but it does show how we feel sometimes, right? Imagine, though, if you were God and you had all these beings that you created that didn't think that they needed to listen to you. Imagine that, that they instead would listen to all these other things and ignore what you have said. Today we're going to continue our series through the book of Hebrews. It's called A Better Hope. And as we continue in chapter 1 today, we're going to see how God has sent in Jesus, a better messenger for us. And so the the question that we're asking ourselves today is, why would you listen to anything else? Because Jesus is better. So if you have your Bibles open, I'd ask you to stand in honor of God's word if you're able. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 1 in verse 4. Hebrews chapter 1 in verse 4. The word of God says, So he became superior to the angels, just as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. Again, when he brings his firstborn into the world, he says, and let all God's angels worship him. And about the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his servants a fiery flame. But to the son... Your throne, God, is forever and ever, and the scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of justice. You've loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. 
This is why God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy beyond your companions. And in the beginning, Lord, you established the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like clothing, but you'll roll them up like a cloak, and they'll be changed like clothing. But you are the same, and your years will never end. Now to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve those who are going to inherit salvation? Thank you. You may be seated. A better messenger. The action step for us today as we take this passage of scripture that was written long ago and applied into our hearts in, in uh, January of 2022, the action step for us today is this, to listen to Jesus. It's an easy one, to listen to Jesus. It's an easy one to say, but for whatever reason, it's really difficult for us to listen to Jesus. As we dive in here to Hebrews chapter 1, the first thing that I want us to see in our passage this morning are the appointed messengers. The author of Hebrews here is drawing a contrast, and it's a really clear contrast, uh, between the role of angels and the role of Christ as messengers. And in this passage, he's, he's discussing the, the role of angels. He uses the Greek word here, angelos, which is translated as angel, or in some instances is translated as messenger. And that's because this word could be used in, in both instances. It could be used to describe a, a human who is delivering a message, who is a messenger. But it's a word that's also used to describe heavenly messengers or angels. And in our passage this morning, the author is clearly referring to heavenly beings, to, to angels. And so the, the term could be used to describe either earthly messengers or heavenly messengers because this was an important role or function of angels. One of their important roles was to be messengers for God. In verse 7 it says about the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds, his servants a fiery flame. And so when you look at the scriptures and examine angels all throughout the scriptures, we see that they play a lot of different roles in the Bible. For example, angels are found to be engaged in spiritual warfare. In the Old Testament book of Daniel chapter 10, it describes how the angel Gabriel was restrained for 21 days by a demonic force called the Prince of Persia and that uh, the, pray the prayers uh, helped him to overcome this, this uh, spiritual battle and to deliver a message. And so there was this spiritual warfare that was taking place that the angels were engaged in. We find the same sort of story in Revelation chapter 12 where Michael and his angels fought against Satan and cast him out of heaven. And so this is one of the roles or functions of angels is that they are engaged in spiritual warfare around us that we don't see. Also, though, as you look in Scripture, we see that angels are called to minister to people. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 5, Elijah was 
terrified, ran from Jezebel, hid in the desert. And it says he lay down and slept under the broom tree. And suddenly an angel touched him. And the angel told him to get up and eat. And so you had this angel that came and gave him angel food cake. Just kidding. But he came and brought him uh, a cake to eat. And it was, a, it was an opportunity for him to be ministered to by this angel. It, similarly, in the New Testament, we find where Jesus is tempted by Satan in the desert. And after 40 days, it says that God sent angels to minister to him. And so this is one of the functions that, that angels would do. We also find in the scriptures that angels worship God. In the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 6, this famous passage where you find the, the angels that had covered their, their head and their, their feet and, 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 and they're flying with two of their wings and they're crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And so you find these angels worshiping the Lord. In the New Testament, we see the same thing in Revelation chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, where, he, where John says, I looked up and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and also of the living creatures and of the elders, and their number was countless thousands plus thousands of thousands, and they said with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. We just sang those words, right? This is something that the angels were saying around the throne. And so they're engaged in worship of God. But a, a function that we see many times in Scripture is that angels are heralds of God. They are, they are messengers of God. In Genesis chapter 22, verses 11 and 12, it's an angel of the Lord who calls to him from heaven and says, Abraham, Abraham. And he replied, here I am. And he said, don't lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him for now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your only son from me. So it was an angel that came and, and called for Abraham to stop the, the sacrifice of his son Isaac on Mount Moriah. In the New Testament, Luke chapter one, it's an angel that comes and tells Mary that she'll give birth to Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, it's an angel who comes and tells Joseph to remain with Mary because the son Jesus is from God. In Luke chapter 2, it's another angel who, angels who come and announce the birth of Christ to the shepherds who are in the fields. You see this role of angels. And even in the second coming of Christ, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, it says, The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And so you see all throughout the scriptures this function of angels serving as messengers. And oftentimes when angels would appear, it would be accompanied with uh, do not be afraid. Or fear not, whatever your, your uh, translation of the Bible is. And it seems that people were often terrified by the presence of angels. And when angels spoke, people listened, didn't they? I mean, when angels spoke in the scriptures, people listened. I mean, can you imagine an angel coming into your house and speaking to you? You'd be like, yes, sir, I will be there at 10 o'clock p.m. And I'll stay up all night. I'll climb the mountain. I'll do whatever it is you tell me to do. I'll do it, right? I mean, the, the appearance of, of the angel with the authority with which they speak, I mean, gets your attention, right? 
So much so that, that Abraham stops the sacrifice of his son with a knife in midair. I mean, so much so that Joseph decides to stay with Mary, who was with child. I mean, these are some pretty good messengers. And people sort of seem to be fascinated by angels. There's all kinds of movies with angels in them, right? You have It's a Wonderful Life or Angels in the Outfield, you know. Sometimes we wish our baseball team had some angels in the outfield that would catch a ball or something. But what we are learning from this passage is that we should not assign an elevated role to angels. Paul addresses this in Colossians chapter 2, verse 18. He says, Let no one condemn you by delighting in ascetic practices and the worship of angels, claiming access to a visionary realm. Such people are inflated by empty notions of their unspiritual mind. And so Paul is addressing these people that thought that they were that they would worship angels and sort of have access to this special knowledge, these special visions, these things that other people didn't have that, that made them uh, more important, more puffed up. And he said these were empty notions of an unspiritual mind. And some scholars believe that, that this is what the author of Hebrews is addressing even in this passage, that these Hebrew Christians are looking to God to speak to them like he spoke to their ancestors in days ago. Remember, that's how he started Hebrews chapter 1. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times and, and in different ways. They're sort of saying, hey, God, won't you send us an angel to come speak to us? But what the Bible clearly shows us is that angels are created beings that they're not to be worshipped, that you don't need to pray to an angel or anything like that, that despite some misconceptions, we don't become angels when we go to heaven. We will receive a glorified body, but we won't be angels. Sometimes people will say, well, heaven just needed another angel. Or they needed another alto in the angel choir or whatever it was. No, they didn't. Others will take great comfort that God would surround us with his angels. That I have this guardian angel that just watches over me. You've heard people say that before. Maybe you've said it before. Matthew chapter 18 verse 10 says, see to it that you don't despise one of these little ones, one of these ch children, because I tell you that in heaven their angels continually view the face of my Father in heaven. And so this concept of guardian angels is largely built upon that one little phrase in this one verse. that He says, their angels continually view the face of my Father in heaven, which ver the verse doesn't explicitly say that angels are assigned to us as individuals, and it also doesn't say anything about what the angels do. And so the people have kind of built this entire concept of guardian angels off of something that's really sort of minuscule in the scriptures. Yet many people find hope in the fact that they have an angel around them, but I'm here to tell you that you have one who is far greater than an angel who is with you. Far greater. 
And he's told us that he's with us. Take comfort in that. Angels are only authoritative in that they're appointed by God with a message. Their authority is derived from the one who sent them. They don't have authority in and of themselves. In fact, in verse 14, it says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve those who are going to inherit salvation? And so, in fact, what he says in verse 14 is that they serve you. That they are coming to minister to those who are going to inherit salvation, to us. Luke chapter 15, verse 10 The Bible says, I tell you in the same way there's joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. They're rejoicing over you, the angels are. In 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 12, Peter says, It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. These things have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. The things that you know. The things that you have received and experienced in your heart, the salvation that that you have received through Christ, the angels long to get a glimpse of that, he says. And that's because they are appointed messengers. But I want you to see the contrast that he makes here by secondly showing us the absolute messenger because Jesus came as an absolute messenger. His his authority is different. His authority wasn't from someone else. He's absolutely authoritative because he is God. In verse 4, this is what he says. So he became superior to the angels just as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. So the author of Hebrews is drawing this contrast between God's messengers, the angels, and his son, Jesus Christ. And he's saying that he's the better messenger. In the Old Testament, uh, they were a major part of communicating God's revelation, and even in the New Testament. But in the New Testament, God sent the better messenger. And in our passage, he's quoting several passages of Scripture that are referring to the work of Christ. And in each of these passages, he's revealing why Christ is better. He shows us that he's better because he is the Son of God, in verse 5. To which of the angels did he ever say, you're my son, today I become your father. Or again, I'll be his father and he'll be my son. The angels can't claim such a title. In fact, the role of the angels, remember, is to worship Christ. In verse 6, again, when he brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. And when we arrive in Revelation, that's what they're doing. They're bowing down and they're worshiping Christ. They're singing his praises. And that's because he's greater than the angels. And as the son of God, he's bringing the very word of God to us. The angels brought a word from God, but Jesus is the word. And he's the anointed one. Verse 7, about the angels He says that he makes his angels winds, his servants, a fiery flame. And so the angels serve him. They are his angels. The angels are his servants. They're doing his bidding. They're at his beck and call. And that's because he's greater than the angels. And he speaks with the authority of God. 
He has authority. Verses 8 and 9. To the Son, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of justice. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. This is why God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy beyond your companions. He's the one who's on the throne. He's the one who's reigning in righteousness. The angels aren't on the throne. They're bowing down before the throne. And he's the one who's everlasting. Verse 10. In the beginning, Lord, you established the earth. The heavens are the works of your hands. He's the creator. The angels are the created. In verse 11 and 12, they'll perish, but you'll remain. They'll wear out like clothing. You'll roll them up like a cloak, and they'll be changed like clothing. But you're the same, and your years will never end. Everything else is temporal, but he's eternal. He's unchanging, which means that he's greater. He's greater than these angels. And he speaks the unchanging word of God. But still, we say, well, I mean, if an angel came to me and told me to follow God, then I'd do it. I'd listen then, right? Maybe if the, if the skies became a, as bright as day and this celestial being, radiant and glorious, came down from the sky and spoke to me, that would get my attention. Maybe if an angel in, in shining armor burst through my ceiling, told me to stop doing whatever it is that I was doing, then I would change. But we're talking about someone who, who is greater than the angels. We're talking about someone who is far more radiant, far more magnificent, far more wonderful. We're talking about Jesus speaking to you. And he has given you his holy word. And yet we often don't listen. A.W. Tozer says that most Christians don't hear God's voice because we've already decided we're not going to do what he says. Sometimes we'll try to discredit what God has said. Some know what God has said and yet disobey it anyway. Some largely ignore what God has said. Like when God says, do not lie. Or when God says, keep your marriage bed undefiled. Or when God says, honor me with your lips. When God says to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Or when God says to rest in him and wait patiently for him. Or when God says that he opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. Or when God has said that hatred stirs up strife but love covers all transgressions or when God has said to cast all of our anxieties upon him or when God has said to go and make disciples of all the nations too often we act as if we don't have to listen to him when his word is proclaimed week after week and we don't even bother to gather Or even when we do come, we'll sit in a sanctuary with no intention of doing what we hear. And we leave his word sitting unopened day after day. And we wonder why we don't hear from God. And we wonder why our lives are a wreck. And we wonder why we don't experience the power of God in our lives. It's because we don't listen to Jesus. 
listen to so many other different things in our lives. We listen to our friends who don't really know anything. We'll listen to social media influencers who don't have a clue. We'll listen to certain family members who aren't giving us godly counsel. I'm telling you, listen to Jesus. He's the son of God. He's the authoritative one. He's the everlasting one. If anyone has ears, let him hear Jesus. That's what the author of Hebrews is calling these Hebrew people to do, to listen to him, to obey him, to follow him. And I'm standing here before you today to say, listen to Jesus. Obey him. Follow him. Do not harden your hearts today. Listen to Jesus. Why would you listen to anything else? Because Jesus is better. So Christians today... As we take this passage of scripture and apply it into our hearts, it may be that time that you need to open up your heart, open up your mind, and you need to listen to Jesus. Maybe something that you have been trying to ignore for some time now. You need to listen to Jesus. It may be something that the Lord has been speaking to you about that you need to change in your life and you have been disobeying him. You need to listen to Jesus. Maybe that you're going through the motions of worship and you're not listening to God. You need to listen to Jesus. It may be that you're ignoring God's word in your daily life. You need to listen to Jesus. That's the action step today, to listen to Jesus. Whatever it is, whatever he says, listen and obey him. And so maybe this morning during this time of response, we're going to stand and sing in a minute. You want to spend some time here at this altar in prayer. There at your seat in prayer, saying, God, I, I've been sort of treating you like you're Charlie Brown's teacher, and today I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm taking steps to be obedient. For some in the room this morning, it's to listen to the call of God unto salvation. As he's been convicting you in your heart, he's been showing you that you need to repent and turn from your sin and, and call on Christ to forgive you, the one who died in our place and paid the price for our sin and rose from the dead on the third day so that we could be forgiven of our sins and we could be victorious and that we could have a life that's abundant and a life that's eternal in Christ. Today you need to listen to that call on your heart. There's going to be leaders here at the front that are there to talk with you and to pray with you, and you can come and to share with them about what God's doing in your heart. There might be some that God is calling to say, this is the, the, the church body that I want you to belong to, to, to grow and to serve and to have fellowship together, to, to join in this fellowship. You need to listen to what the Lord is saying into your heart. But however God is speaking to you today, now it's the time for us to be doers of this word and not just hearers only. Let's stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. God, the message today is a simple one. To listen. To listen to you.
But God, we're not very good at it. And Lord, we confess today apathy and disobedience. Lord, we confess listening to so many other things when you've clearly told us to listen to you. And so, Lord, I pray today that you would work in our hearts the various things that you're speaking to us as individuals about. God, that today we would listen and obey. God, I pray for those who are here that have never trusted in Christ for salvation. Today they would listen and hear for the call unto salvation and to life, to forgiveness, that they would come and trust in Jesus this morning. God, move in our hearts during this time. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.